Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 57 of Beyond the Blade here on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel on the Grant Stand Sports Network, the best view in sports in the Hockey Writers Podcast channel. I am your co-host, Chad Didiminesis. Hey, Bill. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Uh, Chad, I didn't know if you know this, but uh, hockey's back. God. <laughs> Get caught watching a game there, buddy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, real NHL live games that matter, and uh, I'm currently finding out that if you are having trouble deciding what goal you should play, you should probably not go to a team that has the same issues and pick somebody off them and pay $4 million for them. <laughs> so yes. playing Steve Mason tonight was a bad idea, you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> At least it's looking that way, uh, you know, through two periods, but woof. But anyways... Hockey is back and it's fantastic, and I've been looking forward to it for what? What like 120 days now? 150 days? I don't know. Long time. Long time. So, we'll say that it's been a long time. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. So the Sabers are not on opening on NHL opening night. Uh, they will play tonight or tomorrow when you're listening to this. Thursday night uh, against the Montreal Canadiens for the second straight season. Uh, to our luck, Jack, Jack Eichel did not get hurt in practice today. Although it was pretty funny. I think it was Harrington tweeted out a video of Eichel skating and Gergensen's was the one trailing him. And a <laughs> irony there. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, Eichel was good, so he made it out of it. So he will be uh, in the game, knock on wood, unless something happens on the pregame skate. So maybe I shouldn't even bring that up. But So, so we got that good. It's, we're, we're at least ahead of that. Uh, we didn't escape the injury bug completely, but at least the best player on the team uh, will be an open night lineup. But uh, beyond that, I mean, there's a lot to talk about today. There's the Echo contract. There's the open night roster. We had a trade today, a minor league trade. Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about the captaincy, which to me is a little bit head-scratching, but I guess I kind of understand that we can get that today based on the press conference uh, on Jackson contract that we heard today. Um, but before that, you know, things are going good here in Buffalo, Bill. I mean – Michael's got eight years, $80 million. He'll be here for the next nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bills are three and one by some miracle. Look <laughs> like they're actually a good football team. We'll see if that 
last. I mean, personally, I'm kind of I'm kind of set up for that disappointing loss against the Bengals this weekend. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a head scratcher for me. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny because you know a lot of people came into the season think they'd be really bad. Here we are, three and one. The thing I just can't get my head around is this new coach McDermott is the <laughs> most football-y football coach of all time like cliche town central uh but it's working and all the power to him I guess if it's working uh I guess I'm gonna have to head over to cover one and figure out really right. what's going on with this team but uh yeah I mean good for them but full steam ahead with the Sabres here uh a lot of good things to look forward to you know with the the new system new coach there's just there's so many things to it to kind of keep your eye on, at least in the first, I'd say probably even the first 20 games here, um, just so much. And then the, the contract is just kind of a, a big weight, I would say, lifted off all of our shoulders. Um, Definitely. Not only was it huge for Jack, but huge, I think, for the team uh, to get it done now because, man, if you're betting against him, the way things were looking like they might shape up this year, it was probably going to be a losing bet, at least on the yeah. Sabre side. So uh, the fact that that got done, yes, I'd say all things coming up gold here for Buffalo right now. Um, yeah, I mean, what a way to start the season. Yes, I mean, I guess that's kind of what we'll start maybe here with is with uh, Eichel's new contract, eight years, $80 million. Uh, he's tied to Buffalo for the next nine years when you include, you know, this season of his contract, his entry-level deal. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. You know, people worry about Boston coming in with that offer sheet that was really <laughs> probably never going to happen. Um, you don't got to worry about Jack leaving, demanding a trade. Uh, there's people telling me on Twitter as recent as yesterday, uh, before the contract came, that if Jack doesn't want to be here and he'll leave eventually. And so that panic is just out the window. So that's good. Um, I actually saw that. And it was pretty funny that I was scrolling through and I didn't realize it was a in case you missed it part of Twitter. And I saw you responding to somebody saying that he wasn't going to be in Buffalo for much longer. And it was like seven hours before it actually happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, 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 that tweet kind of lasted well, pretty well for him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, in 10, 10 million per, I mean, I'll take it. I, I, I kind of thought it was around 10, 10 and a half. Uh, <laughs> the report that came out kind of from his agents is they advised Zach or Zach, Jack to uh, play through the season and get more money in the off season. But um, sounds like a pretty smart agent thing to say. Right, right, right. <laughs> so um, turns out that Jack said he would just want to get the deal done. Took a little bit less money uh, to allow the Sabres have some flexibility moving forward and to bring in some more talent around him, or even resign players like Evander Kane, perhaps, or Sam Reinhart. So that's pretty good. You know, the guy wants to win. He proved it uh, with this contract. I think leaving someone in the table or actually leaving a lot of money on the table. If he would have played the whole year and puts up 70 to 80 points, I mean, instead of being 10, 10 and a half, we're up at, I don't know, 12, maybe 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. probably what I had. You know, the funny thing, I got to throw a little bit of snark since they're up five, nothing right now, but, uh, five nothing now. yeah, Marlo's got two, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> it's funny just seeing after the echo contract, there are some, you know, Toronto guys saying, well, here's the echo contract. You know, Matthews is going to make more. And I feel like the way that it was said, it was more of a, like, you know, we're our guys better, so he's going to make yeah, more. Yeah, of course he's going to make more than I go. But in my mind, it's, please, please max contract him. You know, <laughs> yes. it's like, yes. give up as much money as possible to him because, 
they're going to be in trouble. You got three guys that are young and are going to have to be paid. And if he's making a lot more than what Eichel currently got, um, yeah, it's going to be good for them to lock him up. But in the same breath, it's going to make things more difficult down the road. Yeah, it's going to mean you're likely going to lose one of Marner or Nylander. Uh, Potentially. Potentially. Right? I, I think and they don't. If you sign all three of them three. to around, you know, a nine. And you got Marlowe for three years. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, so. Oh, God, three years on Marlowe. What do you think? But anyways, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you have Anderson you're paying too, and you got Riley just giving you a contract too that – I don't know. I, I just can't figure out a way they're going to keep all three of those guys between nine and twelve million dollars. What it'll probably cost, you know, with Max is probably at the highest, and then Nylander and Meyer somewhere a little bit lower than that. I mean, that's. I mean, Chicago has a tough time doing it with two guys at ten million. Can you imagine a guy at twelve, a guy at nine and a half, and another guy at let's say ten? I mean, that's <laughs> be kind of crazy to make that all work. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, they they're good, uh, but they're definitely in that boat where they got to go now. Because it's right. it's just going to get more difficult, at least from the you know front office standpoint, as the years tick away here uh, for them. But yeah, that's why I think it's it's important that the deal got done now. Uh, I think is the further you get down the road, actually, the easier it's going to be um, with the Eichel contract. And just like you said, you're going to be able to pay more guys. Uh, <laughs> maybe is the one thing that we can uh, thank him from being a Boston boy. He took the Brady route. Um, yeah. <laughs> And took a little bit of cut. So, I mean, yeah, it definitely it, it puts things into a different light. Uh, I mean, obviously, most of us thought that it was going to be around 10 anyways. But now that we know what it is, you can kind of, you know, make your way over to cap friendly and figure it out. Uh, maybe now you can make those guys like Reinhardt, depending on how this season goes. Uh, Kane, would I think, would be really nice to make that work. Um, and then, it, like you said, it's just filling in those bottom six, which this year – uh, we'll get into, but unfortunate that some didn't make the jump. But I think that's uh, more. I think the more I think about it, I think it's more just the the Bottrell way of doing things for the, his first year. Yeah, Bottrell said some interesting things today. You know, at his press conference about uh, that in particular. But you know, I kind of want to. I guess we'll save that part for later because I, I kind of want to stick with the with the Jack part of it here and maybe shift from the contract standpoint to the captaincy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was always kind of assumed that once his contract was done, the C was going to come with it. Uh, I still didn't think that'll end up being the case. But as of as of now, Federal said today the press conference that they're not going to name a captain to start the season, and they'll evaluate as the season goes. He said also that they're going to announce their, I guess, assistance group tomorrow, uh, which I'll say is something crazy. I would believe it's going to be for sure. It's going to be Pominville, O'Reilly, Eichel. I don't know, maybe Ristolainen or maybe Oposo gets in there or something. But I think at the very least it's those three. Maybe they add a fourth guy. Um, but to start the season, I don't think it's going to be – at least it won't be a C on Jack's sweater. And I don't know. You know, you know, Eichel said today in his press conference said that you don't need to wear a letter and everything to be a leader and all that stuff. So the right things. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's kind of what Toronto's doing with Matthews this year where they're not going to have a captain either. And eventually it's going to be, you know, Matthews' letter. But – uh I don't know, it kind of gets back to the whole argument that people say, well, he's got to earn it. He's got to show it. And I know I get that, but at the same time, you know, it, this is, I feel like not only would you get, you know, maybe a boost from Michael, but I think you get a boost from the team and you get a boost from the fan base where you have this contract and then you make him the captain and then you have opening night. And then like, you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it or trying to pull too much in. I think it, it could help you get off to a good start if you had that momentum 
and you start the excitement and building excitement because we saw in practice today, you know, Eichel broke the team down, you know, Pominville pushed him into the middle for the stretching and it feels like it, it's kind of all but official, but like literally besides slapping the C on him, it, that's kind of the way it is and everybody kind of knows that. So me personally, I, I get it on one side, on the other side, I, I just think we're, we're playing games here and why delay the inevitable? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the boat I'm in. Is this kind of <clears throat> you're delaying pretty much what already everybody knows. And if you're not going to name somebody else for a year or two, kind of what's the point in just leaving it open? Um, I mean, I guess if you're looking at it from the standpoint that he's been in the league two years now, uh, the team the first year made a jump, but the second year uh, went back a little bit. Uh, they haven't been in the playoffs, um, unlike the other two young players, McDavid specifically, who is uh, named captain when he got his big contract. Right. But like you said, I mean, it's kind of just <laughs> you paid the kid. Everybody knows he's going to be captain. He's here now for at least nine more years. And you're just, like you said, you're just delaying the inevitable. Maybe they're just, I don't know, they just see it as one more thing or the only other thing right now that they can kind of hold over his head that, all right, you have the big contract. You're obviously the franchise player, but if you want the captaincy too, you need to take this team somewhere. Uh, that's kind of all I can really think of at this point. Because other than that, I don't know. I don't know really what the delay or the wait is um, right. in, in waiting on naming a captain. So before we get into the roster part of things here and getting into the season preview, uh, we did have a trade today. Um, Nick, Nick Delorier is out, uh, as maybe was kind of expected when Jordan Nolan was brought in and claimed last week. Uh, but Delorier is traded to Montreal, uh, kind of I mean, where he's from, but he won't play for the Habs. So report to the minor league team. The Sabres are getting uh, Zach Redman, a defenseman in return, a six foot two, two hundred and twelve pound defenseman. Uh, he played sixteen games with the Habs last year. I think he's played one hundred and thirty total. Uh, with Colorado, Winnipeg, and Montreal over his career. Uh, but it's just more depth. You know, it's a minor league trade, uh, which, you know, I guess it can be a good thing. We don't, you know, Bogosian's still injured. Looks like McKay will be fine. Uh, Falk is here, but he's hurt. And then Tennyson is still here right now. So you know, I guess that gives that depth for Rochester. And, you know, that's a good thing. And the Emmerichs, they're like a pretty good team this year. So the more depth and veteran experience they can add down there, I guess, good thing for Emmerichs fans. They better be, yeah. Right, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I never, I'll put it this way. I I think Delorier was sometimes, as were many players, put in a, uh, the wrong position or played a little too much. I never necessarily, you know, hated Delorier, uh, unlike some other players in the past. But uh, I mean, the guy. I mean, he he's, he's going to give it to you. He's going to give it your all every night, and sure. you know, with his, with his skill, it's it's not always, you know, the the best option, but I, I think you knew exactly what you were getting when Delore was coming over the boards every night. Uh, you're going to get a guy who's going to get in the four check. He's going to hit, and uh, he's got, a, I would say, you know, deceptive speed for a guy in his position. But, I mean, other than that, he, he wasn't giving you anything offensively. So, I mean, it's – I don't necessarily say that I, I'm sad to see him go. I think getting these guys off the roster that – like your Marcus Foligno, even though everybody loved him, but because, you know, he, he, you knew what you were going to get from every night. I feel like coaches were, they were able, able to put him in the position that they shouldn't have been in just because you knew what they're, you know what I mean? What they were, what yeah. they were getting from them. Yeah, right. And so I think kind of moving that, those guys off the roster, you're getting a guy like Jordan Nolan, who you, 
he's going to be a fourth liner. Like you're not moving him up and down the roster. You're calling somebody up if somebody in the top six, six gets hurt. So I think it's kind of just like reaffirming everybody's position within the lineup. And, you know, him being sent down too, I, th- I think it was kind of just inevitable at this point. But like you said, he's going home, so good for him. And and the, if anything else, you're p- putting another guy in Rochester that hopefully can make them be a, a really good team this year and make a, a deep playoff run. Yeah. And, um, no, so speaking of Rochester, I guess this is a good time to jump to the uh... – so the section here I've labeled as no kids. There are <laughs> no kids made the roster this year. Baptiste, Bailey, Melander, Gooley, Fashing, and C.J. Smith all will start the season in the AHL. And Seth Griffith will start in the NHL, as everybody predicted, going into training camp. Uh-huh. Uh, just kidding. But um, I don't know. It, it's it, Part of it's frustrating. Uh, but on the flip side of the coin, you know, you just, you just saw, especially with Bailey, you know, in his last game he played just – I just something I, I clearly can't put my finger on it. There's something about Bailey that I'm just it, it's not it's not working for me. Uh, it's you know I, I forgot who I talked to one of our one of our friends, but I forgot who it was. But uh, kind of reminds me of the way I put it. He reminds me of Luis Mendoza from the Mighty Ducks. He gets to get really fast <laughs> in a straight line, but the second the defenseman makes a move around him, it's I feel like he just skates past the play and he's out of it. Okay, like yeah. he he he's, he can skate really fast up and down that wing, but. I don't know. He's, he's not the best puck handler. I feel like for a guy his size, he loses the puck too easily. Uh, I feel like he makes too many mental mistakes in defensive zone still, where he just panics and kind of flips up the boards and doesn't look to make the right play. It's just there's so many things that I, I think for a young player, you see those things. And I expected him to correct some of those things that we saw last year. And I feel like it hasn't. I mean, yeah, he's a little bit bigger than he was last year, but I don't know. Cyrus never an issue with him. I just, I, I feel like he always, he has that, he just, he has that speed element, but he doesn't, crafted any other part of his game you know where he doesn't keep the puck long enough to get off the good shot he has you know he he doesn't he doesn't really maybe know how to protect the puck against the boards with his body and I, I just feel like for a guy his size he's just he knocked off it too easy he doesn't have the puck on his stick enough and he's just not we've seen it in Buffalo I mean Rochester has been different but in Buffalo he just there's really hasn't been times where he's just you always notice him like you, you don't like there's maybe like one or two flashes you know over like three games or four games, but there's never any consistency to it. When he first came up, he was good in that Philadelphia game. And I really didn't see anything else from there. And then when he came up last year, you know, he was good in that Rangers game. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't see anything else from there. Like he has to put some consistency together, which is the hardest thing for young players. But in Bailey's case in particular, just, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm disappointed that he hasn't matured or growed or grown uh, to the level that I thought maybe he did when he played in the development camp. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong with anything you said. I think basically it's it's funny that you can kind of go back to literally when Bottero was hired. And if you would have taken that press conference and the guys that are on the roster and said, who do you think is going to be on opening night? I mean, here it is. Right, right. Uh, he basically he was talking about how, you know, Rochester's got to be a better team this year that the kids are not going to call him up too early, that being over, you know, ready to go uh, isn't a bad thing, um, that they're going to make moves to not only make the Sabres better, but to make the Amherst better as well. Uh, just all those things that he talked about. And it's funny because, it, it, I mean, it's just sports is how it is. You, you watch the prospect games. You, you see the skill that's potentially there. You see the holes in the lineup, and you think, hey, you know, one guy can make it and by, you know, 
a couple weeks into uh, training camp, you're like, three guys could make it. Yeah. Um, and it just it turned out that he he basically was just going to stick to what he initially said in the beginning. Like you said, I don't necessarily know that any of the the kids, if you will, um, forced their way under the lineup, and I think it it made it a little bit easier for him to do this. But I don't necessarily think on the flip side either that, I mean, does Seth Seth Griffith really deserve a spot over maybe like a Bailey or a Baptiste just to see what they can do? Or for, you know, (laughs) my classic argument's sake, would I rather see, you know, Bailey maybe struggle some nights than watch Matt Molson and pull my hair up, you know, every, every other night? So, I mean, like, there's two ways to it. And, and maybe that, that is the case of with just what I said, with the Bailey maybe struggling every other night uh, to begin the season, maybe throw him down in Rochester and you get him overprepared. And, and it's not a bad thing. But I will say, at least from the, the pre botteral era up until now, the fact that none of them made it is disappointing. Um, I still don't necessarily know that Erod wouldn't have made it if he didn't get injured. Yeah, I was going to say, I think if Rodriguez doesn't get hurt, I think he's here and Griffith isn't, to be honest with you. I, and I would agree with that. I, I think he was basically earmarked to make the team. And like we talked about last week, the injury was just terrible timing. There was really nothing they could do about it. But, I mean, it, it makes for, for when guys get injured, good call-ups. Um, on the flip side, we're going to get to it a little bit here with the season prediction uh, and the season outlook. That bottom six, man, <laughs> without one of those kids on it, I don't yeah. know how much I'm liking it. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah, you know, I mean, to circle back a little bit here on, I, you know, Bottle was asked at the press conference uh, if there's any disappointment about a guy like Bailey or a guy like Bebs. He's not making the roster this year uh, because, you know, they've been guys that have been knocking on the door. And, you know, he was pretty confident saying no. It, it wasn't a disappointment. Uh, he went as far to say they, thought they didn't make the decision easy. Uh, which I, don't know, I kind of find that hard to believe. I don't think or Baptiste were anything crazy or would have made it a tough decision. But right, and if I remember, cor- go ahead. Yep. If I remember correctly, he he literally brought up Gensel. Yes, he did. So that's where I was going to go next. He said, you know, he said, you know, when Jake Gensel was sent down to the minor side of the season, I don't think anybody was upset when he was holding the Stanley Cup above his head in, you know, whatever June. So mm. I don't know. I mean, is Justin Bailey or Nick Baptiste maybe Jake Gensel? Probably not. I mean, that, that kid's a special player. You never know. I mean, it could happen, but I'm not banking on it. But I don't know. Can he be – can one of those guys – he be a guy who gets me 15 to 20 goals on a third line down the road? Sure, I, I would like that. But I'm not expecting him to be Jake Gensel who scores me 35 goals a season, you know, playing with Crosby or, or Michael for that matter. But, right. you know, if I, if I can get a, a deep, you know, 20 to 15 to 20 goal score on my third line out of one of these two guys or two of these two guys even mm-hmm. – um, and I'll take that. You know, I, I kind of expect Nealander maybe to be that Gensel guy where yep. he kind of comes up and he's that big scorer. And, you know, maybe Botterill was kind of hit as all his eggs in the Nealander basket. And then when Nealander got hurt, maybe that kind of changes plans too. You know, maybe Botterill was kind of banking on Nealander being that guy to maybe secure a roster spot in camp. And we only got one game in the practice tournament, and then he gets hurt. And, now he's back in Rochester now. We'll see if he's healthy enough to play on Friday when the Amherst begin their season. But all in all, you know, the kid's disappointment. You know, Gooley's down there and, you know, fashing I thought had a chance and he was sent down. C.J. Smith was, you know, a bit of a disappointment for me after I picked him as my guy to start the <laughs> training camp and it didn't last very long at all and wasn't really impressive in any way. 
So, I mean, to circle back to Rochester one more time, you know, it's, it's good for the fans there. You know, they've had some really bad hockey teams for the last few years. And on paper, looking at this roster, it's a good mix of youth and veterans. It should be a pretty good team. And, you know, I mean, they even have the good goaltender Olmark down there. So if, yeah. if that's not a good team, then I don't know. I just, I just throw my hands in the air and say, I don't know how you build an AHL team because this <laughs> is like one of the best AHL teams you can build on paper when you look at it. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's just, like you said, it basically comes down to, we were saying that, you know, like, Bailey better make this team and, and he's kind of in trouble if he doesn't. And I still kind of hold on to that, even with what Botterill said, but yeah, me too. even taking that a step further, if the Amherst aren't good this year, then, then we got some other problems because yeah. if they're not, you know, starting to pick up wins with that kind of roster down in the A, then uh, like you said, you got some issues, but I, I do agree with you. I think you're right that Nylander was kind of the guy that I thought was going to be able to, you know, make that jump, especially with the size he was able to put on over the offseason. Um, and the, again, the injury kind of just, it was bad timing. But I think it's going to go both ways. And that's kind of why if you, you know, go back to what I said, these, these first 20 games are going to be kind of really important for all the question marks we have with the, the new regime and the new roster and everything. It's going to be, yeah, these injuries were bad timing in the beginning of the season, but I can almost guarantee you within the first couple of weeks, somebody's going to get hurt. It's going to be a day-to-day or maybe a week-to-week. And once one of these guys do get those call-ups, uh, that's going to be the time to shine because that's one of those times where if a guy like, you know, Josephson or, or Molson or, or, you know, enter bottom six guy here uh, gets injured and you call up one of these guys, and I think that's the spot where you can literally just play to stay onto the roster um, and stay on there for quite a while. So, again, just kind of another thing to look at. I, I, I'm actually going to be kind of – more keen to, to be following up on the Amherst this year to see how things are going, just because there are so many guys that are down there this year uh, that have the potential to make an NHL roster halfway through the year or next year. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting for, for the Amherst, but like you said, once those injuries start happening, uh, th- even the guys that are picked to get called up uh, are going to be interesting. So you mentioned at the bottom six, it uh... – doesn't look that pretty, though. I mean, you know, look at it. You know, this isn't. Yeah, no. This, I, it wasn't pretty last year. I, I thought they might have fixed it, but I don't know. Johan Larson, J- Jacob Josephson, Jurgensons, Reinhardt, Molson, Nolan, Seth Griffith is your forwards in the bottom six of your lineup with Benoit Pouliot moving up to the second line, I guess you could say, with O'Reilly and Oposo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I think I'll kind of start maybe with Reinhardt. Um, you know, I, I've kind of been saying that I think that Reinhardt is in lining for – I don't know. It's hard for me. I don't, I don't want to call it a bounce-back season, but I'll call it a bounce-back season uh, to be productive this year, to put up the points. But I don't know if he's going to do it as a third-line center. Uh, I just – I, you know, I, I will say I openly admitted I advocated to put him at center. I thought it would be a good fit for him. But watching him through training camp, I, I think he struggled at the position. You know, it's – Again, it's a guy learning a new position in the NHL. He hasn't played in his career. I understand that. But just, I feel like something he didn't look comfortable, you know, when there was, and I think like he was hesitant a lot, which is very un Reinhardt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, they're going to give it a go in the regular season, and, and they should, you know, give it a couple games, see how it goes. But I think at the end of the day, he eventually ends up back on Eichel's wing, and I kind of think that's where he should be. Uh, I mean, because at Evander Kane, Jack Eichel. Sam Reinhardt line looks pretty dangerous. Your top line, you know, if, it if was that works, if that clicks, exactly. 
you know, right. So right now I got Pominville there and I mean, you know, Pominville's a good player too. And he's a finisher. So I mean, that might work too, but I, I like the idea of a Gergensen's Larson Pominville third line, or like I, like I've said a couple times, a Puglia Larson Pominville third line, you know I mean? I think that gives you more depth in your lineup, but I don't know. And, and, you know, again, you're moving Larson from his natural center position to the wing now where we've seen him succeed as a third line center the last few years. And we're moving him away to a different position. Mm-hmm. I understand it gives you flexibility and, you know, you like players, you know, bottle side likes players who can play multiple positions. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think you're moving a lot of pieces around. You're, you're taking a guy who's used to playing wing, succeeded at playing the wing in the NHL and you're counting on for a lot of points for your, for your team to be good. You're moving him to the center position where he's shown that it's so far that it's not really working. And then you're going to move a guy who was a good third line center to your fourth line left winger. Just, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be as big of a difference as we're going to see with Reinhardt, but you know, for me, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not loving it. I don't feel comfortable about it. And that's, you know, I was kind of the person who, whenever someone asked me, they give me a playoff team. I'm like, well, I don't know. They get a couple bounces. I never know. We're looking at this bottom six. Now I'm like, I don't know how that's a bottom six playoff team. No. And I mean, there's a lot there, but I think basically what it comes down to is, I mean, they are the guys in the position. So, you know, hold the criticism until the game start. But right back to what you're saying, it's just, it's almost like they're kind of overthinking it. Like, yeah, you don't want to take what, you know, the last regime did and, and kind of just continue on with that. But at the same time, when you're taking guys in, in situations that were working and moving them around kind of, maybe then you're doing a little too much. Uh, but I totally agree. I think the, Larson, Pouliot, Pommonville line would have been a really good third line. And I think really what it comes down to is I think Reinhardt can succeed on uh, third line center, but it's kind of like the situation we've had with Eichel is who are Eichel's wingers? And that's kind of been a big issue right. for the first two years of his career. Um, but at the same time, we were thinking, yes, Reinhardt is going to be a good third line center. He's going to succeed. But at that time, I'm thinking maybe Kane's on that line. And right now um, it's Seth Griffith and Jurgensen's. I mean, exactly. So yeah, I, th- I think when you're putting guys like that on the third line center with uh, Reinhardt, I, I think there's more room for him to necessarily fail, but not also produce to the level that you're going to want your, you know, second overall pick to produce at, uh, especially if he's playing in, on the third line, um, not playing against, you know, top tier talent to say, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I think that's kind of what it comes down to. And again, it really comes down to, you know, the injuries and the, the kids not making that lineup because what you were looking for was somebody like Bailey or Baptiste to make that jump to be on Eichel's wing, which would allow Kane or somebody else to go down to the third line to be able to help Reinhardt. And that's when you're starting to see a really deep three lines. Um, since that didn't happen, now you're kind of just throwing, you know, your – I mean, they're not all veteran NHL guys are, but a, a, a bunch of them are. Um, throwing them all out of the bottom six and kind of just hoping that some of them can rekindle their <laughs> old talent, if any of them had it. So yeah. I, it's nerve wracking, I think, uh, just looking at the names at least. But I mean, you never know. Maybe maybe Jordan Nolan somehow is some kind of find or steal. I wouldn't bank on it. Uh, Josephson, even like we said last week, talking to Dan Rice, he's kind of just a guy who's not going to hurt you, but he's not really going to do much either. And kind of once you're getting to that point in your fourth line, I don't really think you're looking or finding, you know, 20 goal guys, 15 goal guys, uh, 30, 35 points. You're kind of just looking for any kind of contribution and don't hurt me, um, which is not a good thing if you're looking to be a playoff team. 
No, not at all. I mean, you, you need that. You need three, at least three lines that can produce and play. And, you know, if, if not four lines, you want to be a deep team like Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they roll four lines deep, then they can all produce, they can all hurt you. Right here for the Sabres, like, all right, here's our top two lines, and then here's our third line, and then, I don't know, here's our fourth line. Maybe they'll kind of just go out there and do whatever. You know, it's it, – there's really that, – that's kind of like the idea of Baptiste, like, maybe making the team as a fourth line. So I liked him – I liked his speed at the bottom of the lineup, and that yeah. gave potential for, you know, somebody who could score some goals at the bottom of the lineup. Now it's Jordan Nolan or, or I don't know, Molson, but it looks like maybe Molson's up in the press box, but we'll get to that in a little bit here. So – I mean, it's Erod. Erod's in the same boat. Right. A guy like Erod right. making the team puts more speed, puts a little more youth onto the, the roster. Uh, a guy who is probably the best player on some preseason game nights. Um, so, again, missing a guy like that, uh, you're kind of going into at least the first game of the season with a bottom six that is a bunch of question marks. So, and, and I, I think the key, though, is it's really going to be the defense is how yeah. much of this overturn of the defense uh, are we going to see, especially with the new system? Are they going to be able to, you know, cover each other when people jump? Um, are you going to have multiple odd man rushes, you know, a couple times a period where if you're not scoring on the other end, uh, it's coming down, it's ending up in your net on the other on your end. So uh, I think, you know, I know it wasn't, it wasn't really something we had, you know, planned, but I think the defense here, it's another reason why Gooley wasn't there is because you have such an overturn on the defense. You got to yeah. see what you have in these guys. So it's going to be interesting. And again, injuries on that end too. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Bolu is with Ristolainen and how that's going to work because everyone was planning on being Scandella, but him not playing much in the preseason. I know they said that maybe you're just easing uh, Scandella into it. But <laughs> if we remember last year, we were easing Kulikov into it for about <laughs> half the season. Um, yeah. So if, if Scandella is going to be playing on Ristolainen's pair, I'd kind of rather see it sooner rather than later. But uh, again, you know, McCabe should be back, uh, but with his injury and everything else on the back end, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting first night. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you know, we have the thing with Bogosian already. You know, the injury thing with him has popped up. Mm-hmm. You know, Housley said he's only day to day, but he's in practice all week. Um, McCabe said he's ready to go, so he should definitely play tomorrow. But, yeah, you know, the Scandella thing kind of scares me. Uh, you know, we haven't seen him in a preseason game, maybe just being careful with him. But at the same time, you know, he hasn't had any game action. So is it possible he's going to be rusty a little bit throughout the season? Yeah, probably. Uh, and that means Bolu has to jump up to that top pair with Chris Linen. And, you know, I, I think Bolu played really well in the preseason. He was one of the better defensemen. But, again, I, I think – what I've always liked about Beaulieu is, like, in, unlike in Montreal, where he was pushed into that top-line pair right. that maybe didn't fit him. Or the good thing about Buffalo is he can maybe settle into a 4-5 role. Where here we are now, he's being thrusted into, like, a number two, it looks like. So, it's and I don't know. You know, it, it just makes me nervous. And there's, there's a lot of things, you know, going into, like, we talked about over the offseason. And then we get to the night before opening night. And we look at the roster now because here's your roster. And there's mm-hmm. still some of those, like, I think somehow – there's already a lot of questions around this team, but I feel like now somehow there's even more where you're like, I don't know if the defense is better, but there's injuries and like, is Matt Tennyson going to play on opening night now? Like, you know, how is this going to go? And it, it's, it, I guess it, it still leaves me for just some concern where I'm kind of, you know, in my predictions of this, of the season, I guess uh, I'm kind of maybe pulling back on the excitement I had a few weeks ago to a month ago. 
which is funny because it's not usually what happens at this point. Right, right. Usually it's the opposite. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the Buffalo way, isn't it? You gave uh, full optimism as the season begins, and then as things start to fall apart, everybody sets everything on fire. So, um, <laughs> kind of the opposite here. But <laughs> I, I, but I still do I, – I don't want to get, you know – I feel like it has been a lot of negative negativity lately. I think that there's still, you know, I, I think Eichel's going to have a big year. I think, yeah, uh, I, and, you know, I think with the system, I think it's going to be a, not only is it going to be a lot more enjoyable for the fans to watch as opposed to the last two years of just chipping it out and pacing it. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more of like wrist align and jumping into play. But the, the little things that it's going to be is, I don't know if you remember the last preseason game, he jumped in the play and they didn't shoot. He had three guys in front of the net and he kind yep. of just kept it behind the net, lost it. And that's when you get four guys caught low. Um, those are the things that I think might happen uh, that can happen. But uh, you are going to find guys like Ristolainen and Antipin who are going to be that third man back. And if they got that speed to beat that center who's maybe not back checking as, as well as he should be, uh, you're going to have a lot more opportunities and you should have a lot more scoring chances this year. So I think the offense is going to be uh improved i think and i know this is kind of hard not to be but i think the defense is going to have a much better year points wise i agree um, with that. so I, I think there's still a lot of good things to look forward to unfortunately uh, the um i mean if you want to call them rookies um that we are all hoping to have to look forward to aren't going to happen but i think that you know there's going to be a lot of good things i think kane should have a big year uh reinhardt could make a jump especially if he does you know, move back to a, a second line wing or a first line wing at some point. Um, there's, like you said, there is going to be a lot of question marks, but the question marks can also be good things that maybe Antipin's really, really, really good. And Bull you can play that top pair minute and he just didn't need the pressure of replacing PK Subban. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a lot, there's so much, and it's just, I'm, I'm so happy that tomorrow we can finally start to, see yes. games that matter yes. and we can start to answer these questions. We can start yep. to evaluate. We can kind of dig deep into footage um, and show every, you know, everybody here where things are going well, where things aren't going so well. And, and the most fun part of that is uh, solving those problems and, and fixing it. So we'll talk about it all, but I'm definitely with everything here we've been talking about, excited to finally start getting some, some answers to these questions here tomorrow night. Yeah. I mean, so the keeping the up, the optimism train going on the track here. The good news, it looks like that, especially in Molson's case, that he could be in the press box tomorrow. Uh, uh-huh. He was pulled off the number two power play unit, and he was kind of working in uh, with the fourth line. So could see him in the press box there. And also George is another guy who's in the press box too as he was working in with Tennyson. So if Housley decides to go the route and play the more mobile uh, offensive Tennyson over the veteran Georges, then – I don't know. I mean, you could see just kind of crazy to think about it. We always clamored for it the last year and a half as you could see Molson and George's, you know, in the press box on opening night, which is not a bad thing, but still when you think about it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> you're not going to hear any complaints from my end over here, over here, obviously. No, no. Um, but yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a good thing. I think <laughs> that one night where, on one shift, literally, Jack fed him three times in the high slot. He missed twice and hit the post <laughs> once. I would have told him to go get dressed and find a seat in the press box after that shift. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I just I think there's there's a little bit there still with Molson, but I think even the power play goals he was getting were a little lucky, like they were bouncing off of skates and sticks. And I mean, obviously that's him getting in the right position and, and being able to you know put the puck to the net. But kind of at the same time, you're you gotta just eventually move on from that and and start to find uh, players that are going to be better fit in the situation. They're going to give you more production and. I think this is finally uh, a step in the right direction. I don't mind them coming in, maybe in an injury role, or if a guy's having, you know, a rough week, bringing them in to to kind of be right. that piece that says, hey, you know, if you're not going to be playing well, I got Molson sitting in the box and he can come in and play. But I mean, other anything more than that, <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> not looking forward to that happening. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a step in the right direction. So over the last few minutes here, let's uh, let's take some time now to look forward to this season. Uh, we talked a lot, a lot of the lineup, a lot about Eichel, captaincy, uh, but I kind of want to sit here and focus on the season and make whole predictions. We have a little fun, uh, see how smart we are in about four or five months from now with these predictions. <laughs> That's good. Um, so I have a couple over-unders here, and I have a couple yes-nos um, that I'm going to kind of rattle off on you, and then I'll you make you well, – we can alternate back and forth. Um, who goes first? Who goes second here? Uh, but we'll start with the first one. The first over-under. Over-under, Jack Eichel scores 70 points this season, and you can go first. I think he gave me a softball in the first one. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, even when I was looking at the, the outline before we started here, I was about to change it to 80 myself. But uh, I think it's it's pretty safe to go the over here. I think if he, uh, barring any kind of injury, I think you're looking at, at least a point a game. I wouldn't be surprised if it was even more. Uh, I could see Eichel getting high 80s this year. Um, but yeah, I, I just I really think he's setting up for, you know, he, he got the contract and he's going to come out and he's going to prove that he deserved every cent of it, and, and if not more. Um, and he's going to try everything he can to get this team into the playoffs this year. Whether he does it or not is another story, but um, he's only one guy. But I think he, he definitely – I think he gets over 80 this year. I agree. I, you know, I won't give the whole spiel here, but I agree. I, I think he – honestly, I think he comes in somewhere between 85 and 90 points. Uh, and if he does that, I, if he does that and the team is good, which you would think if he's scoring 85, 90 points, the team probably should be good. It's, if he's scoring 85, 90 points and this team is still not that good, then, whew, there are some problems on this team. So, yeah, if he, if he, if he puts up that much, I think they're in playoff contention to make the playoffs. I, I think he's in the MVP mm-hmm. conversation. Um, so we'll see kind of maybe how that all plays out, but that's kind of where I am. So the next one, over under, Sam Reinhart scores 20 goals this season. Uh, so I'll go first here. This is kind of tough. You know, 20 goals, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say yes. I want to say he scores 25 this year, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an asterisk on that. If it's, <laughs> I say if he scores 25 goals, then he moves back to the wing. I think if he stays at center – I think either he hits 20 or he comes in around like 19, 18. That, that, that's just me. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think this one's a little more tough and I think it's just because we don't necessarily know what he has at the wings right now. Um, you know, with Gergensen's who, who we thought, you know, was playing really well on that top line of uh, O'Reilly and Oposo. Then all of a sudden one day he just was on the third line. It looks like he's going to stay there. Um, and then you have Griffith who, who knows what he's going to give you on a night and night out basis. Um, Cause this is the one thing about Sam. Sam's not like Eichel in respects that he can kind of create his own, uh, or at least he can't do it on his own. He's not a guy who's right. going to 
you know, take the puck in your end and skate all the way down and get a scoring chance and maybe score. Uh, he's a guy who's going to set it up in the zone, look for a lapse in, in the defense, find that soft spot, and he's going to be able to put it away uh, when, just like he did in the preseason game where he was found in the high slot and found it right underneath the bar. Um, it's just kind of the player Sam is. So if, if you're not having two wingers that are able to create space for him uh, and able to allow him to use that hockey sense and to get into the positions uh, where he's able to kind of find the soft spot in the defense, I think he might have trouble scoring a little bit. Um, so, I mean, as of right now, I guess I'd probably put him right at the 20 mark uh, if he stayed at third line center with those two guys for the, the whole season, which I obviously don't expect. But uh, I think you're as of right now, you're probably looking anywhere between 18 to 22. So that 20 mark is a pretty good line, Mr. Vegas. <laughs> All right. Over under number three. Let's you go first here. Cause this is your boy mm-hmm. uh, over under Evander Kane scores 30 goals this season. I'm, I'm giving him the over this year. Ah. Uh, I think it's just every year he's kind of been right there. Uh, and obviously with the injuries, he doesn't get there, but, uh, it's just funny because I remember going back and forth with a guy probably nine months ago to a year ago, uh, basically making the argument that if Kane would ever score 30 again in his career. Um, and basically, obviously, the guy was saying no, and I was saying yes because he's basically put up uh, over an 82-game average around 30 to 32 a season. Um, but I think with this year, being on Eichel's wing, the one thing we keep saying that Eichel needs to do more is shoot. But the thing is, he's a playmaker. He's a pass-first guy, and Kane is a shoot-first guy. So we'll see how much uh, – I mean, it was working really well at the end of last season. It wasn't working so well at the beginning of the season uh, or the end of the two seasons ago. So we'll kind of see how it goes. But, I mean, any kind of chemistry between those two, uh, if we remember the first year, Eichel was setting Kane up and it was just miss, or flying off his stick or it was just missing wide. Uh, I feel like the chemistry is getting better between those two. If they can keep any kind of that chemistry up, uh, I think you're looking at probably a you know 30 to 35 goal season from Mr. Vander Kane. So before I give my answer here, I'll kind of give you a little live update. Uh, a little interesting. I just saw the end of the second period of the Blues and Penguins game. I have it on here, mm-hmm. and they showed that uh, Sidney Crosby, one of the cleanest players in the game, uh, gave a nice little hack to the back of the leg of Alex Petrangelo as he was skating up the ice because Petrangelo gave him a little dice. It wasn't anything vicious, just gave him a little cross from the net, and as Petrangelo skated away, Crosby decided to give him a nice hack to the back of the leg. So it's good to see that he's learned from his slashing things over the last last year, so that's good to see. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, on to Evander Kane. Uh, 30 goals over under. I don't know, it, it's tough. You know, can I can I, can I I pick the break even here at 30? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if you're going to hold me to it, and – I'm going to say, say he scores 32 goals this year. Right. Uh, so I'm going to go to over two. I, I think he has a big year. Uh, it's a contract year. He knows what's at stake for him, uh, especially if he can stay healthy, which, you know, it's, it's, he hasn't proven easily he can do that in his career because uh, the style of game he plays. You know, he plays a physical, excuse me, rough game. Um, so if he can stay healthy, maybe if he misses a few games, that's fine, uh, as long as it's not, you know, 10, 15, 20 games. Uh, but if he can stay healthy and play the Usually majority of the games this season – Usually it's be a pretty big injury uh, to keep him out, too. I mean, if you remember last yeah. year, he had broken ribs, and he should have been out a lot longer than he was. And obviously he wasn't playing to his full potential in those games that he did come back. But, 
I mean, if it's any kind of minor injury, he's kind of like an O'Reilly guy in that aspect where he's going to play. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'll go, I'll go 32 goals. So I'll go the over here with you. Uh, so the next one over under, actually, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to go to another question. I'm going to go back to Vander Kane. I'm going to throw this at you. This is pop the man as we were talking here. Mm-hmm. Yes or no question. Is a Vander Kane on the Buffalo Sabres roster the final <laughs> day of the regular season? Final day of the regular season? Yep. Yes. I think they're in the hunt. I don't think there's any way that you can kind of move him, um, which I know that's basically setting you up for possibly losing him for nothing, uh, which would be a, a tough pill to swallow. But I think they've kind of shown that <laughs> it might not be the, the best, but if it really wasn't them that did it, um, they're not afraid to kind of just move on if they don't think it's the right path to go. So, but I think I just, I think if, like you said, we both have him over 30 goals. I just don't think if he's on that kind of pace by the trade deadline, there's any way you move a guy like that, especially if your team's in the hunt. Um, and he's on your, you know, franchise center's wing and playing well. Right. I would, I would love to see him get an extension. And honestly, over the last couple of weeks, I'm starting to think it's more possible. Um, I think Housley called him a role model the other week. Yeah, he's um, he's got really close with Jack Eichel, who just got an eight-year, eight-million-dollar contract. So I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we we have a full season to go here, so a lot of things can happen, uh, one way or the other. But uh, I, I I almost I thought the question was going to be is going to be on the opening night roster next year, um, and I think that's a <laughs> hard. Maybe should have been the question. But. Yeah, I think that's a much harder <laughs> question. Um, but I mean, it, it, will he be at the end of the roster this year? I, I believe he will be. Um, next year is a, is a whole nother question, but I mean, even if you had to ask me that right now, I'm kind of, kind of leaning. Yes. I mean, Jack talking about taking less money so that you can sign guys that are, are able to produce. Um, and then Housley kind of going a complete 180 from the Murray. I'm never going to commit to Kane. Kane's got to prove to me, uh, that he can do this, even though like he went, you know, that whole off season without doing anything. He said, yeah, that's a good start, but you never forget. Like lines like that, it's just daggers that you yeah. don't think he, he, that guy's going to get resigned. But uh, again, new regime, and they kind of seem to be going the opposite direction with more of a positive spin around uh, Vander Kane. And, and if he comes in and puts up, you know, 32, 35 goals on Eichel's wing, uh, obviously the contract's going to be tough because uh, it's going to be a bigger contract. But I wonder that they don't kind of just make that work. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's uh, on the roster at the end of the season, I don't think they move him uh, unless they're way out of it, but uh, right. I, I don't think they'll move him. But, you know, I agree with you. I, I think there's maybe kind of this momentum building there where we could, if everything stays good and the positivity continues to grow, that we could see him, you know, back next year. Something we thought maybe was a long shot or even impossible. Uh, so we'll see I mean, talk, that goes throughout the season. Talk about giving a guy the, the confidence that you believe in him. I mean, could you imagine him getting some kind of, even if it was just like of a small extension? Uh, like a so, two-year thing, two-year, three-year thing. Yeah, like a two-year thing. Which two, I think is all he would get anyways in the open market. No one's going to give him seven, eight. Exactly, well, and I agree. Only say he was going to get eight, but no one's going to give him seven. Right, and yeah, I, I don't think he would get anything higher than, like you said, like a two, three-year deal. But say things are going really well, you know, halfway through the season, and maybe they announce like a two-year extension. I just think that that could just grow the confidence even more and motivate him to, continue on that path to play even harder for the team. Not that, I mean, night in, night out, that guy gives 110%. And 
<laughs> like like you were talking about Bailey, some nights you don't notice that he's there. Evander Kane's one of those guys that every night uh, you're going to yeah, notice that he's on the ice. Definitely. Uh, so, by the way, for I guess the next over-under here, uh, your boy Steve Mason got the hook after five goals on 20 shots. So, yeah, I don't want to hear it. Toronto's up to seven right now. <laughs> seven to two. <laughs> Good thing. Uh, the last so thing we Toronto, need is uh, – Toronto will be planning their Stanley Cup parade now. I was so just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn on Toronto Radio tomorrow, and they're going to have the egos inflated, now with uh, Matthews, I'm sure, having at least three points tonight. So. Yeah, Marlow greatest signing ever with two goals in the first. <laughs> but yep, the season will we'll be over tomorrow. Before the Sabres even play a game, Toronto will win the Stanley Cup. So <laughs> yeah, give give them the division. Uh, <laughs> it's over. I don't even know why we're playing the games, but uh, uh, I wish man. they were bad. Toronto. But I, I mean, it's good that they're good, especially if we finally get to the spot where we're good as well. Uh, it's gonna make I think for a great rivalry and some exciting games on the road here but Sabres got to get there obviously the Leafs are finding their way yeah yeah it appears so anyways few more left here so over under Robin Leonard on winning 25 games this season I think I'm up to go first here mm-hmm. um is this tough this is tough because if it's over 25 games you over 25 wins you gotta think that they're probably a playoff team then uh, if you get over 25, 25 to 30 wins, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of good. Um, that's only 60 points. Yeah, I guess, I guess how many, well, how many Johnson going to get you, you know, um, I'll, uh, I'll go over. I, I think, I think he wins 20, I think he wins 26 games. I mean, how many win last year? 22, 23. Uh, I, I think he wins 26 games this year. And I, I think Leonard has a decent year now. Maybe we have to discuss some things about a contract come next off season, depending on how good of a year he has. Because I mean, any of you listeners know who've been listening for a while. I'm not big on paying goaltenders big money, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe that'll be a different conversation we have in the summer. But I think he'll be fine this year, and I'll, I'll go with the over here and I'll say he will wins 26 games. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the over here as well. Um, it's funny we were talking about how <laughs> we were looking at the roster and thinking, uh oh, but uh, these over unders <laughs> have been pretty positive. <laughs> Uh, yeah. According yeah. to these over-unders, we're going to have a pretty good season this year. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, 25, I don't think it's uh, too out of the range. Uh, like I said, he won 22 or 23, I think, last year. So I mean, Yeah, and that yeah. was with a really bad – probably one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, right. I, I think they'll be better this year. I think there is going to be opportunity for him to have some really bad nights, uh, especially if they struggle with odd man rushes. But okay. uh, I think that – all he's got to do is is keep the team in the game, and, and you got the firepower, at least in the top six. Now, kind of within that back end, uh, to win yourself some games. So last year, I mean, last year he won twenty three games, and fifty nine games played, twenty three and twenty six. So I don't know. Can he conceivably win two more games this year? Three more games? I think so. I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah, basically, all you're asking him to do is win at least half the games he plays, and. Right. That doesn't seem like too much, uh, especially for a guy who is pretty close to the top 10 in save percentage last year. I agree. All right, my last over under here. Um, 50 points for Rista Linen. Over or under? And you are up this time. <laughs> Keep with the trend. I'm going over again. I, uh, <laughs> I, I think you gave me all the, the easier ones because you didn't ask anything about the bottom six. But well, uh, I threw that Kane question at you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, Risto, I, I just, I really think that the guy has put up points 
even with like everything that's been going on around him, how he could potentially be a bad advanced stat player and maybe he's not as good as everybody thinks he is. But you can't you can't argue with the the points that the guys put up. Uh, and that's been with some bad partners and some bad systems and playing 30 minutes a night. I think he gets a little more, I don't want to say protection, because I still think he's going to be playing top minutes and playing a lot um, for the Sabres this year. But I think it's going to be in a more system-friendly, that's going to fit more of Ristolainen's game. And if he's able to do more to jump up in the rush, you pretty much got to imagine he's going to keep up with last year's pace, if not exceed that. But, yeah, same thing here. I'm going I'm to take the over with Ristolainen. So I'll agree. Uh, I think I'll go with Bristol Line and over 50 points. Uh, he had 49, I think, last year. So it's conceivable in a Housley offense or Housley system, that is, that he can get there. Uh, I think he'll play with better players too, which give him more flexibility offensively. And then if he's on that top power play unit, you know, there's no reason they shouldn't be in the top of the league again like they were last year. But last year they're at the very top. But if anything, they should probably be at least a top five power play unit this year. So I don't think that one's really that difficult. Like you said, I think I'm going to go over here. I would say around 52 to 55 points with a number on it. Uh, that's where I'll go for Risto. Now, the last two questions here, these have some meat to them, so you challenge me. So these last two, I left, I guess, the meatiest right at the end here. So I'm mm-hmm. first on this one. This, these last two are yes or no's. Yes or no, one of Bailey, Baptiste, Nylander, or Gooley will play 40-plus games this season. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go – this is tough. Uh, you know, I, I made the bold prediction in an article I wrote about Gooley playing 40-plus games. But now mm-hmm. – <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to call my bold prediction or not. Um, now, that, now that Tennyson is here starting the season. Yeah, yeah. Does he climb those over those guys, you know, kind of deal. Um, I'm, I'm going to go – I'm going to go no. I'm going to say mm. no, but I, I think I think Nylander – gets at least 30 games. Okay. It's funny because no matter what you said, I was going to make an argument for the opposite, and I was kind of hoping you said yes. <laughs> so I can make the argument for no, but, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it sucks because it's basically the same thing. But, I mean, I was going to go, yeah, I think I think Nylander makes his way up here at some point within the, you know, 20 to 40 game mark, and he just kind of sticked. I think he – he looked like he needed some seasoning, but he only played one game, uh, one prospect game. It looked like his passing was a little off. But, I mean, if he gets 20 games in the AHL to, to kind of work on that, 20 to 30 games to work on that, um, and he starts, you know, scoring and really producing at the AHL level, uh, I think he could, you know, find his way up here either through injury or just call up um, to get a shakeup. And I, I could easily see him kind of sticking for the rest of the season. So, Unfortunately, I, I don't think um, Gooley will, will play that many games this year. Uh, I think he'll, he'll probably find his way up here at some point. But like you said, just, it's just so much turnover. You need to see really what you have. So, um, and, and the argument for no, I think, is maybe just like if the, the Rochester Americans are having a really good season, maybe you just don't want to break that up and take those guys out and like we said, he, he talked about how important it is for that team to be good and make a, a good playoff run uh, to get those guys that experience even at the AHL level. Um, so maybe you guys see guys like Griffith, uh, Tennyson. Th- that's the reason they're there is so that the guys who maybe w- would be better uh, fit in the NHL 
uh, can go in the AHL and kind of make a, a big run here for the first season under Botterill. Huh, pretty well said. Not bad at all. I kind of like how you made argument for both sides there. So that's pretty impressive. Well done there. <laughs> I was ready for both. So <laughs> and then I have a little debate with myself, I suppose. Uh, so last question here. Um, this is your question to go first on. Uh, the big question, the big salami, the big cheese right here. Yes or no, are the Sabres a playoff team this year? Well, I mean, I was going to say yes, but the Leafs just won 7-2, to two, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I <clears throat> The only – I want to say no, but the reason I'm hesitant is because I feel like if I'm saying no, I'm betting against Jack Eichel. And I think that this year that's a scary thing to do. Yep. Um, I, I think, like you said, if he's putting up over 80 points, that means you're getting at least – Ideally, you're getting about at least one goal a game uh, that he has his hand in, and that's basically not counting literally anybody else on the team. Um, it's tough. I, I still I think I'm going to stick no. I think they're going to be just outside of it. Um, that bottom six, man, it just scares me. The defense, there's so many question marks. Uh, coming in with a new coach and a new system, I mean, things could click and things could go really well off the hop, but it's just not really something that happens very often. Um, especially going just, it's just going to be at least the way it's talked about. It's just so different uh, the way that they played last year to the way that they're going to be playing this year. Um, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think it's going to be a lot of what the fans wanted the last two years. Um, I just don't know that the growing pains aren't going to be evident. And also the, I mean, the other thing is, when you're playing a system like this, you need those guys that fit that system. I know Hagelin is not uh, with Pittsburgh anymore, but, like, he was a perfect fit. Uh, yeah, he is. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, anyways, like, a guy, <laughs> I, meant, I meant guys like, guys like Hagelin um, being yeah. on that third line with that speed to be able to play that. And you're looking at it right now. <laughs> you're comparing, you know, Kessel Hagelin to Gergensons and Griffith. Yeah, right. I just don't know how that's going to really fit in the system, uh, being that you want to play with a lot of speed and a lot of pace. Uh, I don't know how that works. Um, I think that's kind of why you were looking for guys like Bailey and Baptiste to make it, Nylander, Gooley, uh, to make it this year. When that didn't happen uh, in this system, I'm, just, I'm afraid that that bottom six is, is not going to be able to play the, the system that you want them to. And until you get those guys in that role, uh, that'll fit. And it might take a year or two for Bottle to pull it off, but I just don't know that it happens this year. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, I'm going to agree with you. You know, I don't, I don't think they're a playoff team. Um, you know, I have something coming out with that by the blade tomorrow. We did some predictions with some of the writers there on the upcoming season. And, you know, one of the questions, are they a playoff team? And I said no, so I just kind of got to stick to that. I can't switch it here. <laughs> uh, but the same kind of things here, you know, I, I, I agree with you. It's that the bottom six, man, it just it doesn't look pretty. Uh, I still think there's a lot of pressure on the top of your lineup to produce. And if you don't get that every single night on a consistent basis, uh, and even some overproduction for some players, you know, I think it's going to hamstring this team throughout a long season. Uh, but if you get a guy like Nylander and Bailey or somebody to come up from Rochester, uh, or, I don't know, maybe you make a trade or something, or maybe Seth Griffith is better than we expect, or maybe Rodriguez comes back and he plays pretty well, then maybe things are different. But, um, you know, right now, you know, I would say not so much. I I had them finishing fourth in division. Um, so basically that puts them just outside 
you know, I, I kind of like him on a 90 point team, uh, but you know, missing by two or three points, unfortunately. Um, but I will say, even though I said they're not going to the playoffs, I will say they win tomorrow three to two. So there's a prediction for you. They oh, win tomorrow three you to two. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> but I actually, I mean, that's a pretty good score. I think I, you know, I'm going to go. Wasn't last year four to one Montreal? Yeah. I'm going to go four to one Buffalo. I just don't, Ooh. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, they have Carey Price, but what do they have on that defense? And yeah, <laughs> that's the big question. I just, I don't think they really have anybody on defense. I think you're going to have guys with, and and this is kind of going to be, I think for the whole season, you're going to have those top guys that are going to produce. You're going to have, you know, it's funny. We really didn't talk about O'Reilly at all. Um, right. But I think you're going to have guys like that. Michael Kane. O'Reilly posted that are going to have pretty big years. Uh, and that when throughout the season, what we're going to be complaining about and what we're going to be looking for is if we could just get something more from the bottom six, like all the scoring is coming from those top guys and that's it. I think you might run into the same issue this year, but uh, as for tomorrow, I think those top guys show up um, as Winnipeg showed tonight though. If you get three power plays in the first 10 minutes at home uh, with the mice (laughs) for the home opener, you better score. (laughs) Yeah. Because as soon as the other team goes down and puts two in the net, that game got ugly quick. Um, So, yeah, if if the Sabres get their chance with the momentum that's going to be in the building for opening night, uh, they just got to finish. And I think if they can get one or two, they're a really good power play team. Uh, They can kind of coast their way to victory, maybe get an empty netter. So I'm going to go forward on Buffalo tomorrow night. Very, very good. Well, that's it. That's our season preview episode right there with a bow on it, wrapped up, covered a lot, talked about a lot of predictions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Tomorrow I'm sure I'm going to wake up nice and giddy and ready to go for some Sabres hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I don't know, it's finally here. You know, we've talked about this for, like I said, it seems like forever, you know, these, all these changes, and then here we are. It's finally, it's finally actually going to happen. We're actually going to see the team play a meaningful game. We're going to see all the pieces together uh, for the first time. And, I guess kind of lock arms here and go through this together and see how this goes. As I'm, at the very least, whether they're good or bad or okay, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting season with a lot to talk about. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered, and I it starts tomorrow, which is going to be fun. And I, I also think you know it's it's <laughs> we're getting to the part like obviously all the off season stuff is fun and we love playing GM, but I think once we're finally getting into those games and seeing how guys are playing and able to. You know, analyze that. I think that's where you and I are kind of at our best. So I agree. Uh, look, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, and and then we're off and running. Season started, baby. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at BTB Hockey. We're going to see a lot of our interaction uh, throughout the night uh, for games, and even kind of throughout the week as the games kind of progress here throughout the season. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, share, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, the Hockey Writers Podcast Channel. Grandstand Sports Network. Make sure you're checking us out in all those places. Uh, like I said, subscribing, rating, sharing, uh, any of that, that would be appreciated if not already. And lastly, I uh, can't forget to mention our partnership with Die by the Blade uh, for SB Nation. You can find us there as well. And as managing editor of Die by the Blade, I will push you in that direction as well. Make sure you check out that site. We have a lot of good writers, a uh, good team together. So we have a lot of good stuff that's going up. Uh, one of the guys, Ryan, just did a really good piece on the Amerks and what kind of season they have coming forward. So check that out. We just talked about it. Uh, they're going to be a pretty good team this year. So make sure you check out Die by the Blade. Bill, you both of the tables are going to win tomorrow. You're going to be at the game. I'm excited for you. Uh, nice. I'll be watching from home doing my analysis thing. Uh, but I'm excited. 
I'm ready for some hockey and let's, let's get this show going. Oh yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's real, baby. It's real. It's, it's game time. It's a big year for the Sabres and yeah, it's a new regime. So they're not necessarily, you know, everybody's hair on fire if they don't make the playoffs this year. But I think there is the expectation that they are going to make some kind of leap in the right direction, uh, especially with their big players. So um, it's a big season for a lot of guys. Uh, and that still can mean uh, a big season for those guys that didn't necessarily make the team uh, for the opening night roster as well. So I think that that's kind of what comes with a new regime is it's, it's a big year for everybody because – they have no ties to anybody. So if you have a bad year, they could easily just move you uh, and try and find somebody that fits better. So lots of questions. Tomorrow, we start getting some answers. Absolutely. So we'll talk to you next week, and we will actually have real hockey game to talk about. So that should be pretty exciting. Um, so I don't know what day we'll be back, but uh, we'll definitely at least have one or two games under the belt. So for Chad and Bill, we are out of here. Enjoy the opener tomorrow. Uh, enjoy the season. Good luck to the Sabres and good luck to everybody. Um, unless you're these fans and we wish you bad luck on the season. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thanks for listening and we will talk to you very soon. Enjoy the opener tomorrow and uh, hey, go Sabres. Let's have a good season. Shields! Strong!